Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Hey, welcome back to Wiggins America. I was just in Minneapolis a couple weekends ago. Uh, I got a group of guy friends that I uh, spend about three days a year with, and that was that trip. And it was fun. It was great weather, and we got to drive. Here's the thing. My buddy who lives in Minneapolis, so we usually go visit one of the four or five of us um, if we can. Because all all five of us are from right here in St. Louis, but only two of us still live here. So we usually try to visit one of the others, and one of them lives in Minneapolis. So the guy that lives there, uh, he lives in the suburbs and does not, other than for work when he has to, go into the city at all. He doesn't want to do it. Now, if you recall, Minneapolis is where the George Floyd stuff happened, and then all of the subsequent riots So you can see how somebody might be a little tepid about going into the city these days. But it's not just Minneapolis. This is happening all over the country. You know this. Uh, You may avoid going into the city that we're in right now for these very reasons. Or at least you don't go as much as you used to. This story I've pulled here is from the Wall Street Journal. And it is actually about Minneapolis, but it applies to so many cities. I'm just going to read it to you and then comment as we go. It says, Downtown streets were so crowded in the 1960s that developers conjured up a maze of elevated walkways between buildings, providing winterproof avenues for office workers who filled the central city Monday through Friday. Stores, fast food spots, bakeries, and barbershops lined the covered temperature-controlled walkways, which linked new glass skyscrapers sprouting one after the next. It was boom time in the 1960s in America in general. Uh, workers racing to cubicles the next morning kept to the right to avoid crashing into each other because it was so busy, recalled convenience clerk Monica Bray. Today, Bray only sees a trickle of passersby these days and lots of empty storefronts around her. Downtown streets are so quiet that it leaves plenty of room for homeless people, sometimes police, and the occasional tourist. But that's about it. It's spooky, she said. For decades, downtown office districts across the U.S. powered local economies, generating commerce, tax revenue, and aggregation of ambition, talent, and disposable income. Many cities riddled with half-empty office buildings now hope to survive with the new remote work era without bulldozing swaths of downtown and starting from scratch. American experts say that downtowns face the biggest urban makeover in 50 years. And this goes into, in specifically, Minneapolis, how they're trying to revitalize downtowns. They're trying to 
offered tax credits to people who were willing to convert empty office buildings into apartments, for instance, and stuff like that. Um, but it's these same governments that have run people out by doing things like not prosecuting crime or coming down on the side of criminals when it comes to cases that involve clear, um, well, tough situations, but clearly situations where the police had to do something and maybe they did the wrong thing and they get basically crucified for it. These are human beings, keep in mind. I mean, the criminals are human beings too. Keep that in mind. But we have a whole lot of advocates right now, especially from Democrats, for the criminals and seeing them as humans. And we don't really have anybody doing that in, on the left for police officers, seeing them as humans. We want to make them part of the system and the criminals, well, just an individual who's, who's been trod upon. But here's some of the stats I wanted to get to in this Wall Street Journal article. It says the median drop in foot traffic across 52 major U.S. city centers since 2019 is 26%. So keep think about that. I mean, 2019, that's not very long ago. It's four years. The median foot traffic across 52 major U.S. cities is 26%. Now, not that's not all crime. I'm sure there are people listening right now who are going, now hang on, Ryan. That's not just because of crime. That's because of the COVID era and forcing people to work from home. I agree. That's very, very true. That accelerated these things very, very fast. But a sense of desolation, back to the article, discourages many downtown workers from showing up at the office, accelerating the closure of shops and restaurants. And why do people not go to shops and restaurants downtown? Well, it's not because they can just work from home. It's because they don't want to. They don't want to go downtown. What do I need there? I can get a lot of this stuff online, first of all. And second, what kind of atmosphere am I stepping into? It doesn't seem fun. And also, it's there's a higher propensity for crime. Even if I go down there and I'm fine, the propensity for me stepping into crime is higher by going downtown to go to a restaurant or a game or a, or a shop than it is if I stay in my house or stay in the suburbs. Either way. So remote work era could reduce the value of New York City's office buildings by by retail properties 42%, potentially reducing tax revenue by 6.2% or more. So these things are going to continue to get worse. I hate to tell you, but unless these issues are addressed, we're not changing the work. I mean, the work's staying the way it is. If you work hybrid right now, you work from home, did you four years ago? Probably not. Is that going to change and go back to the way it was? No way. Is crime going to change? Now, there's one area where you could change things. If you had leadership willing to step up and go after crime, not just with like behind the scenes stuff. Like there's there's good things happening behind the scenes right now in St. Louis with our new uh, circuit attorney. He is prosecuting crime. He is methodically going through these things. But there's still a sense from the leaders that the criminals are the victims. That is a mind shift. That needs to change in American cities so that people know crime isn't acceptable. That's a big, big change. I'm going to finish off this article and then get to uh, the next segment because I want to talk with Roy and... See if we can get Trisha in here to talk about this stuff too. 
But it says the central business district in Minneapolis, as in other cities, was mostly built to serve the nine-to-five office economy. Hotels largely hosted business travelers. Nightlife was even sparse there. The downtown traf- traffic, foot traffic, has fallen by 44% in Minneapolis as of June compared to 2019. They actually mentioned at the very end of this, which is why I wanted to get to it, they mentioned St. Louis as being one of these cities that's among the worst that this has happened to, too. And I hate to hear that because I'm rooting for St. Louis. I don't want St. Louis to be a crap hole. But these are self-inflicted wounds, and it's done by individuals who have bad philosophy on governing these cities. Are they Democrats? Yes. All of them are Democrats. The philosophy of governing, according to a liberal Democrat, is what you're seeing play out in both blue states at large and in blue cities within red states a lot of times. I think it's nice to see that the laboratories of democracy, as they call U.S. states and cities, show how progressive policy plays out. It doesn't really benefit anybody. The only tool they have in their arsenal is spending government money, which helps things only temporarily and very, very shallowly, I might add. And what happens when you keep spending that money? Well, you have a population that relies on it so much that they don't produce things. And then they start to leave because the economies start to fall. This is what you're seeing. This is why people are leaving. Hey, you don't have to trust me on this data. Look at the population of cities, which are blue. Look at the population of blue states. For the most part, other than maybe like Colorado, which people are moving to because it's pretty, and that's kind of a blue state now. Um, You know, maybe one of the East Coast states, something like Virginia, that's not quite a blue state, but uh, it's gaining population. But for the most part, most blue states are losing population, and most red states are gaining population. This is the laboratories we're talking about. Now, I want you to think about this question, and we're going to come back and talk about this question. Have you altered your behavior based on these things? And is it because of crime? Or is it because of the lack of things to do in the city? Or does it have to have to do with the way you work now? You can do things remotely. Or is it all of them? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We're going to talk about these things when we come back, so stay here. In lieu of old boy, Trisha has agreed to answer this big question for me that I brought up in the last segment. Stats about how much foot traffic is down in U.S. cities across the board. Uh, 
since 2019, I think it was like 42% less foot traffic in all U.S. cities. It's amazing. Top 50 U.S. cities. Have you altered your life in any way in the last four years? Do you go into cities less, more, the same? Anything changed? I mean, four years ago, I lived in the city. So well, I might tough, not be the best person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here every day for work. And... So the answer is you're going into the city a lot less. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I might be part of the statistics. Uh-huh. Uh, we moved out of the city in 2019 because we wanted it. We were ready to purchase a home. So I'm going to the city a lot less. It is. Um, I've thought about this, though. So personally, yes, but not for the reasons that I think I that it. this study is bringing up. Um it's kind of sad to be in cities now. It is. That's actually the article. I didn't get bummer. into this with the article as much because it was more just about stats and, mm-hmm. you know, why it's happening. But I think that is, it did mention this. That is one reason why people who maybe aren't worried about crime, because that was part of it, and don't necessarily work downtown or they don't have to go into the office as much, because that's a big part of it. The, the uh, work from home culture has really changed work. And so all that's the main drivers of it. But secondary to that is if you don't have people going downtown for work or because they're afraid of crime more, then you don't have as many activities going on and it's not as much of a buzz. Yeah, there's not the same vibe. The vibe is very different. Because I remember coming down even to Washington Avenue when I was a little younger and I don't know that I would be doing this stuff. I was just thinking about Wash Ave. Mm -hmm. Like I'm 42, so I don't know that I would still be doing this stuff as much. I've got kids who are nine and six, you know, like I get it. Like my life's changed, not just the city, but there was a buzz when you'd come into certain areas of the city, U city, maybe still, I don't really know. I haven't been to U city. And that area is gorgeous, yeah. but it's empty. U city is. I was now in fairness. The last time I was there was a Tuesday night, but you used to be able to go on any night though. Yeah. I mean, I found parking right away. There was, yeah. Wow. And, you know, I I used to go down to, this was back when, I think, is it the Tivoli? Is that the name of the theater that's there? That is a theater. Is that that theater? (laughs) For the sake of this, yes. We'll say that it is. It's that theater that's right there on the Strip in New City. Uh, We used to go down, and that theater was about where it would end. Now it goes way beyond that, down a couple blocks the other direction and the opposite direction, too. But it was like Tivoli to Vintage Vinyl. That was the whole strip. And it wasn't even, like, really f- filled with businesses, but there were enough cool places to go that it was a trip Are you thinking of the pageant? No, no. No, no. I'm, I'm, I am thinking of that theater that's there that does, like, movie showings and stuff. Not the pageant. This was way before the pageant. The the movie theater, yeah, is like was like two doors down from Vintage Vinyl for years. Yeah, well, maybe. Hang on a second. I, I got to look this up now. Movie theater in Siri. Movie theater in U City. Here we go. Right next to Blueberry Hill. Oh, it <laughs> it it pulled up movie theaters in Yuba City, California. <laughs> this is just nope, remade. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But that theater that's there, yeah, I mean, you're not talking about, it's not far. But when I was in high school and early college, that area used to be that happen. was it. That mm-hmm. was the whole strip. And it's just grown since then. But you could go any time of the week and people were hanging out at Vintage Vinyl. Now, part of that to me is that 
you don't really have as much an excuse to like go wait for CDs. You know, we'd go to midnight releases. And yeah, but stuff. there's still uh, there's still good food down there. There's still I do think that the pageant and what's next door to it, the ready room. I think that those yeah. venues draw a crowd, but those are down far enough. I, I think that the loop that you're talking about mm-hmm. is, I think that's probably a safety concern. Is it now, too? It always it always kind of has been, because it's got the Metrolink behind it. Yeah. That if you go a block in the wrong direction there, it gets real seedy. Yeah, that's true. Washington Avenue is different, because that is... That used to be buzzing. Lucas Park used to be where you'd go and you'd run into sports stars. And you'd, I mean, there was mm-hmm. no, you couldn't get through down there. There were so many people. And it is a ghost town. Man, isn't that Every sad? Every night. It's crazy. It's so sad because where did that go? I don't know where it went. I don't either. I mean, maybe Ballpark Village always seems like there's activity. But I'm not just talking about St. Louis. I mean, this is every city is mm-hmm. experiencing this. I just went to Minnesota and, and Guys trip, you know, four of us, five of us always end up going to visit one of us because only two of us live here now and the other was live around the country. So Minnesota is where we went this year. And one of my buddies will not go downtown. Now, he's always kind of been a little bit that way, even before it got to be really bad crime. Mm -hmm. But I was suggesting, hey, why don't we go to an area of Minnesota that's because we tend to do a little bit more like cabin in the woods type things. I said, how about we do the exact opposite of that? And we go downtown to an area that's just really buzzing. And we just kind of, you know, hit some bars and walk around so we don't have to drive and stuff. And he was like, no, I will not do it. Because really? of, I mean, ever since George Floyd, that was Minneapolis. Yeah. And that's the city that we're talking about. He's like, I just avoid it on the weekends and nights, man. I just won't do it. And my, my... I always was like, oh, you baby. But now I'm like, yeah, I kind of get it. Like you you, you are not going to get hurt for sure. It's not like, well, I'm going to go into the city, you know, get my body bag ready. Like it's not like you're going to for sure be a part of crime, but you have a higher percentage going to there than we did driving the Mississippi River and going to river towns. I wonder, though, if you really are... Now, the difference, obviously, St. Louis is has very high crime statistics, and there are a lot of organizations and a lot of people trying to work really hard to fix that. But I wonder if it's more of a perception thing and that as a society since 2019, we've all become a little bit more introverted, even not mm-hmm. knowing that we're doing that. Um, and, and if it really is actually any more dangerous or it's just less mainstream because everybody's kind of holed up on their own anyway. I think it's probably both because you, you do look at crime statistics and murder rates and they're up. You know, people will say, oh, 2023 is better because it's lower than 2022. But we're talking about a four year span, not just year by year and not city by city. I mean, just overall crime and murders are higher than they were. Yeah. And but I mean not not like you can't still do some of those things. I think that's where you get caught. I just I I think if if your crime rate's up by a percentage or two, you're still talking about millions of people. Yes. Does that make sense? Like I I think obviously in heavier populated areas you're gonna have higher crime statistics. And yes, we've got a crime problem and yes there are a lot of issues with that, but I don't I don't as actually feel any less safe being down here at any time. I don't think 
I think I, I do. I think it's just like less, there's just less going on. I don't know. Yeah, maybe when I there's do. less people around, so there's, you feel less safe because there's less people around. Yeah, it's like that. an illusion, maybe. Yeah, well, that's true. But I also, in the back of my head, and it may be because of the industry that we're in, in the back of my head, I was walking to a city game. Nothing happened. It's completely fine. But it was the first time I had ever, and I was with my kids, so mm-hmm. maybe that changes things. I'm with two of my kids who are, I think it was my boys, so they were, what, eight and five at the time. And I'm walking with them, and I'm like, look, I'm the only protection these kids have from anything. And you're right. There just wasn't, we parked kind of far away. And so the walk about halfway there, there wasn't almost anybody that we saw. That's other than when maybe you a couple homeless feel, people where yeah, you're like, oh, you're like I, don't I don't know if I love this because yeah. there's nobody else around. And I just don't get the sense that, I, I think because we've talked about it so much, get the sense that police are overwhelmed and we have less of them than we used to. And knowing those facts makes me think, well, I feel, and I don't know whether it's, it is perception or not, that mm-hmm. I feel less safe because I feel as if they couldn't handle something that I was going through. Whereas in the past, I wouldn't have felt that way. And it may be purely be, perception. Yeah. I, I'd just be interested to see for as long as I've been, an adult, the the police in the city of St. Louis have been un- underfunded, undermanned, under, you know, overwhelmed. I've never, there's always these like heightened points to it, mm-hmm. but I've never, even when I like became aware of it, the joke was always like, you can do whatever you want in the city, but as soon as you hit the county line, you better buckle up and slow down mm-hmm. forever. So I'm not sure that policing has changed that much or that it's just the it, perception. Yeah. Possibly. As having lived in the city, though, up until 2019, you're almost like a good case study because you left right when things would have been changing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that those things that we talk about on a regular basis about St. Louis and, you know, statistically seem to be backed up that, yes, they've always been an issue, but are they worse now? Uh, the, The biggest change I've seen is a lot of businesses have closed. So I never felt unsafe in the city. I I knew it was unsafe. I knew that there was crime, but I never felt unsafe because, again, that percentage versus the actual population is different, you know. Um, But like the bar that used to be across the street from our apartment closed, like bars, restaurants, shops, businesses, people have abandoned them. So it's just like a lack of people. I, I I mean, all these things kind of feed each other, though. You know, because like if it's if you do have a reputation for that long of being a place that's, yeah, you can kind of get away with crime, at least petty crime, even maybe even middle level crime, but not this. You know, if that line is even just drifting upward, you know, at some point people are going to react to that by not going into the city more or. You know, like all these things. But do... again, COVID happened and we all yes. went home and, and nobody had to leave. accelerated everything. And nobody had to leave. No, yeah. most people, you know, now there's this hybrid work environment or people are still remote or, yeah. be- you know, so I don't know what. But if there was still a buzz, like it would come back by now. And it's like the Maybe. demand just wasn't there. I, I actually think that. We're going to see some of it come back because I just if you scroll through any job sites, those remote positions that were everywhere before are fewer and fewer and far and far between. And the applicants for them are like, you'll have a thousand applicants on a remote job and two on an in-office job. 
But <laughs> everybody wants people back at work. Mm-hmm. So I think as businesses start demanding people get back into society, I think that there's still a chance that we'll see some of that change. I just wonder if those in-person jobs haven't left the cities, though. I mean, maybe they they just aren't coming back to the city. I, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe. Because I, I, I don't want... None of us are rooting against the city. I enjoyed many aspects of coming downtown and there being all this buzz. And- I want it to be hustling and bustling. I do It'd too. be nice to be able to walk down the street yeah. and grab a sandwich or grab a cup of coffee. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, especially during you know, the day. High I mean, five your neighbors and right, whatever. Right. Yeah, we're here. I want mm-hmm. more restaurants around me mm-hmm. for sure. All right, let's take a quick break. We went a little long. We'll be right back. I've only got a short time in this segment here, but I want to paint the picture that there is something that we're talking about all the time. It comes up all the time. Mainstream media brings it up at any opportunity that actually may end up being good for Republicans, but that's not their intent. Now, let me start back. So there are things that Democrats and Republicans will bring up that in one season seem really good for them. And I find that Democrats do this more than Republicans. And I don't think that's any sort of character attribute other than that Democrats seem to go after win now, where Republicans seem to be a little bit slower to catch up to a lot of things. And maybe that is a character attribute. But I think that it happens more to Democrats that they'll they'll promote something they think is good for their side and then find out, oh, crap, that really bit me in the butt. Well, one of those, I mean, just as I'm bringing up examples here, is when Harry Reid got rid of the 60-vote majority threshold to uh, elect a judge. So he did that thinking, well, I'm tired of Republicans stalling our judges, so I'm going to get rid of that. Well, then all of a sudden, you get Trump, who's got three Supreme Court justices across the finish line because Harry Reid breached that. That, and that was a win-now strategy for Harry Reid and Democrats at the time that Republicans ended up benefiting tremendously from. Another one of those that I'm thinking about right now, and I'm not saying this one will be that, but I'm looking down the line and saying the trend of Latin Americans, not Latin Americans, but Latino Americans, <clears throat> of moving toward the Republican Party has been pretty swift in the last eight-ish years, seven years, I'd say. And it continues to move quickly, and we'll find out what that actually becomes in 2024. But the trend is definitely rightward for Latino Americans. And opening up the border seems to me to be a, a strategy to turn Texas blue by Democrats federally, Uh, Among other things, I mean, there's a lot going on there. But if that is one of their points, is to turn Texas and other border states blue, like Arizona, um, it's backfiring in a lot of ways. But one of those is that maybe in one generation from now, or maybe even sooner, you might have Latino Americans all actually shifting to the right. And then, oh, shoot, we actually bolstered Republicans in those states. So... I say all that to say that there's one area, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll know, you'll know exactly what I'm saying when I say it. But bear with me when I say that I think all this talk about election deniers and insurrectionists and all this stuff that is, I mean, push, push, pushed by the left now. They think that's a winning strategy for them. I think it's a winning issue. And maybe it is. But what happens 
if Donald Trump wins the next election. The people who froth the most about that issue are the ones I'm most concerned about that they would turn and become election deniers or violent insurrectionists or whatever. Uh, case in point, we, uh, those of us on the Annie Fry Show, me, Brad, and Leah, although Annie, I think, was not there for this picture, we took a picture in front of a City SC flag, you know, because big playoffs this weekend, right? So we're all kind of rallying. So we took a picture, we posted it on, me, on social media. Well, somebody looked up Brad in that picture the producer for the Annie Fry show and found that I guess just that he was a producer for 971 or Annie Fry and just like started screaming obscenities, insurrectionists, whatever uh, at him in the midst of, and it got a lot of traction, I guess a, a, some city SC people reposted the picture. Well, he got all this heat from some random person who looked him up, who has probably never even heard anything he said, because if you had, you wouldn't say that. And just yelled insurrection at him. Well, if those people are the craziest of the people, I'm not saying that's all Democrats. I'm just saying if those are the crazies and their whole thing right now is save democracy, we have to protect democracy from these rabid insurrectionists, these people who are taking over the country, these fascists, uh, they love violence. We hate them because they love violence. Uh, They're trying to bring down the country. If those people have bought into the idea that violence is bad, insurrection is bad, and you shouldn't question elections, and then Donald Trump wins, that is going to end up being a huge blessing to the country because they will have to at least, I'm not saying they'll stop themselves. They may completely hypocritize themselves and just go after it anyway and just burn down the country. But they'd at least have to ask themselves before doing so, Am I practicing what I preach here? You know, there might be at least a little bit of a check and balance on those people should it come to that. And it might. Let's talk about that chief insurrectionist in a segment next. At least that's how they refer to him. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I try to bring you the truth as I see it, but I am a flawed messenger. And I get that. I understand that. That's why I will admit to that. When people say things, I try to get them in context because you really can in this business grab clips from even big public leaders. You know, you can do this to many, many presidents and vice presidents and whoever candidates and take something they said out of context and then spin it into something that's not really what they meant. And I try really hard to not do that. Because I believe that that is bearing false witness. That doesn't mean that I'm perfect at it. Uh, I'm just saying that I try to not do that because I don't always know the full context of a clip. I try to, but I don't always know. And, you know, sometimes you're trying to mind read. What are they trying to say here? Um, And then also at times they're saying exactly what they mean. (laughs) You know, it's not spin. They're just saying exactly what they mean. When they say something ridiculous. And so when they do that, I try to point it out. But I'm a flawed messenger. I'm, gonna, I'm just saying that because I feel like I, I, uh, I, having this platform, want to make sure that I'm giving accountability to myself. So when I say something like, we're about to play the game of lies, 
you know the context from which I'm speaking. The Game of Okay, fair, fair enough. So when we play the game of lies, I'm going to bring you an article, and I'm going to bring you a clip in this one, actually. And I'm going to tell you to listen to one and listen to the other and tell me who's telling the truth. I start with the article. This is from Edith Olmsted. She is writing for Yahoo News. And I can't tell if this is sourced from Yahoo or it's sourced from somewhere else, but I got it from Yahoo. It says that Donald Trump is already prepping to undermine the 2024 election, this time by explicitly calling on his supporters to focus on harassing voters and election workers. At an event in Derry, New Hampshire on Monday, Trump told a crowd of supporters that rather than participate in the upcoming presidential election, quote, you got to be careful. You got to get out there and watch those voters. You don't have to vote. Don't worry about voting. The voting, we got plenty of votes, Trump bizarrely said to his own supporters. This would be a strange message in any state, but especially so in New Hampshire, where Biden is leading Trump, according to most recent polling. We'll get to polling in a second. This isn't the only time this week that Republican Party's frontrunner has tried to preemptively undermine the 2024 election. On Monday, Trump reposted a meme on Truth Social threatening election workers. Now, I don't even know what that is. This is, I'm mostly talking about the clip here. Trump and his own group of mobsters are currently on trial in Georgia for interfering with the 2020 election, where their racketeering charges are directly linked to the intimidation and harassment of poll workers. So far, three former Trump lawyers, uh, it goes into them here, have flipped on the former president. Trump's attempts to turn up the heat on the pillars of our democracy, like free and fair elections and the people who run them, reveal Trump's increasing desperation to win at any price. Now, you've heard the article. I'm going to play for you the clip. This is, and this is the fullness of what Trump said about this. Now, he kind of like goes on, he goes on different tangents when he's speaking, but I tried to pull the full thing. Uh, Forgive me if there's more context that he said, you know, a couple minutes before this or a couple after, but this is the fullness that I could find. You got to get out there and you got to watch those voters. You don't have to vote. Don't worry about voting. The voting, we got plenty of votes. You got to watch election night. You know, it used to be election day, election night. Now it's election month. Okay. Once again, here's the first paragraph of that article. Donald Trump is already prepping to undermine the 2024 election this time by explicitly calling on his supporters to focus on harassing voters and election workers. Is that what that clip said to you? Well, that's why we play the game of lies. Now, before we get to the end of the show here, I said that we would talk about polling. And here we are right at the end, barely sneaking it in. I love polls. They're the best indicator that we have of coming elections, even if they are imperfect. The national polls have been very, very interesting because Trump has been either within striking distance or leading most national polls. Not all, but most. So they're, they're pretty close. Nationally, they're, they're pretty close. But it's the states that matter, isn't it? It's the swing states, basically five states, although it could be beyond that. But Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia... And maybe you'd throw in like a Nevada, New Hampshire in there. They could play. 
But those, those are your main states. So what do those states say? Well, right now, Franklin and Marshall, that's not a polling agency that I'm very familiar with, but they have Biden up by just two in Pennsylvania. And other ones that I've seen in the last couple weeks actually had Trump up in Pennsylvania. So that's a very, very close race. University of Texas has Trump beating Biden easily in Texas by eight points. Here's what's interesting. They have all the other candidates actually losing to Biden except for DeSantis. And he only wins by one. But Nikki Haley, Ramaswamy, Pence, Scott, they all actually lose to Biden in Texas. I think there's a strong Trump contingent there. That's probably why that poll is turning out that way. How about Missouri? Right now, Missouri has Trump beating Biden by 13 points. Try to find a couple other states here before I give you some of the uh, JF, or, JFK, RFK um, influences. And I'm having to dig back pretty far here. Here we go. Uh, this is from the end of last week. These are the most recent numbers we have out of Arizona. Trump up by four. This is Bloomberg and Morning Consult doing these polls. Georgia. Trump up by five. Michigan, even, tied. Nevada, which I mentioned, Biden up by three. North Carolina, Trump up by four. Pennsylvania, Trump up by one. Wisconsin, Trump up by two. You can see that that's just one consult. That's just uh, Bloomberg doing that. But uh, Harvard Harris has been showing the same thing. So I look at poll trends more than I do anything. And they are trending in Trump's direction, actually, Right now, you'd almost say they're trending just in Biden's wrong direction because people are not liking the way he's doing things, and I think Trump is the beneficiary of that. Really quick, I mentioned the JFK, I keep saying JFK, RFK influence on the polls, and boy, it is t- it's really difficult to see whether the RFK factor, which will be a factor in the election, uh, he, is, he is registering in all 50 states, so he's going to be on the ballot as an independent um, assuming he actually makes the ballot in all 50 states, but I assume he will, uh, he will be a factor. So how does that affect Trump versus Biden, assuming it is those two, which I believe it will be? Well, it looks like it's it's very, very even, and if anything, it might hurt Trump a little bit. That surprises me. Uh, it doesn't look like there's much of an effect, but if there is one, it looks like it might affect Trump. Here's the other thing, though. When you add Cornell West, the Green Party candidate, so not just Trump-Biden and not just Trump-Biden-Kennedy, but you add a fourth candidate there, Cornell West, then it does swing back a little bit toward Trump again because some of those blue voters, some of those Democrat voters are going to Cornell West, the Green Party, and it affects things. So overall, when you add the third-party candidates, it probably is a net gain for Trump, but it's pretty minor. That doesn't mean that he's not going to get a lot of votes, West or Kennedy. They might get a good contingency of votes, but it's a lot of those middle voters who are just unsatisfied with either one of them. So will it have an effect? It might. It might be slight, but even slight might be big. Thanks for listening to Wiggins America. You can get the whole podcast by typing in Wiggins America. It's in multiple places. And we will see you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.